Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another X-Tuesday episode. Today, we're going to be talking about Marauders number one. This is the first book that is not written by Jonathan Hickman that we're going to cover. It's still in that same corner of the X-Men universe with House of X and Powers of Ten. But here we are with the first title, the first issue, that's not written by Hickman. Obviously, he still had input into it. You know, he's the showrunner for that whole corner of the Marvel Universe, but uh, this one is actually written by uh, by Jerry Dugan. Uh, it also has art by Matteo Loli. The colors are by Frederico Blee. The letters are by Corey Petit, and the design is by Tom Muller. So uh, let's go ahead and dive right in. It starts off and it says, not long ago in Central Park, we see Nightcrawler and Storm there. They're talking to a group of mutants. They're uh, explaining what the gateway is behind them, saying it's the, the way they can all get to the safe haven, the island nation of Krakoa that's just for mutants. And from this day forward, there'll uh, no longer be a future where mutants are hunted to extinction. So all you got to do is step through the gate and you're home. And Nightcrawler's telling him, be brave. You're leaving your old life behind. And so all these mutants walk through. And then it's uh, it's Kitty Pride's turn to walk through to be followed by Storm and uh, a Nightcrawler. So as Kitty's walking toward the gate, she looks over her shoulder. She says, see you on the island. And bam, she runs right into the gate as if it's a solid brick wall. For some reason, she cannot pass through the gate, even though she's a mutant. And Nightcrawler and, and Storm are just shocked. <laughs> They're gasping and uh, Kitty's surprised as well, saying, what the hell? Her nose is bleeding. She, you know, walked into a wall, basically, and she doesn't understand why she... Uh, wasn't able to to get through to the island. Uh, next page says Ahoy Muties. It's one of these design pages. It tells us who's on the team, basically. So we have Kitty Pride, Lockheed Storm, Nightcrawler, Iceman, Wolverine, Emma Frost, Bishop, and Pyro. Uh, Muties around the world are flocking to the island nation of Krakoa for safety, security, and to be part of the first mutant society. Many nations have recognized Krakoa's statehood in exchange for life-changing uh, pharmaceuticals, allowing Krakoan gateways to be placed in key locations for mutants to travel through. Some nations, however, have declined to recognize mutant sovereignty. And that's where the uh, Marauders come in. So following the uh, title page with the credits that I already read to you, we get another text page. This one says, Top Secret for Your Eyes Only. It's from the Office of Naval Intelligence. And it's talking about uh, things that they've discovered about Krakoa. They've kind of been in the area of the island just trying to figure out, you know, what's going on, keep it under observation, kind of doing their due diligence. And uh, there's a note here saying the only recovery of Flotsam uh, yielded one piece of intelligence directly traceable to Krakoa. Apparently the mutants don't litter much, uh, which I suppose is a good thing. Uh, the lone exception so far being a message in a wine bottle from Catherine Kitty Pride uh, and the recovered bottles being sent to 
uh, a lab to be studied for genetics and forensics. The message in the bottle was as follows. Day one, I, Kate Pride, being of sound mind, steal this boat from you. So she stole the boat from a slip in San Diego. She says that she'll return it at some point. She went sailing in summer camp as a kid and she loved it. So don't worry, your boat is in safe hands. Day two, she writes, I'm the captain now. Day three, she says, I know why pirates drink so much, because the sea's boring. Uh, but if I drink all this, Logan will kill me. Day four, uh, Captain's Log, Lohe Lockheed loves being on the water. I guess that's why there were no squirrels around the mansion. Now he's eating sushi. Uh, day five, she says, it's like all her friends went on vacation without her to a remote island. And... Uh, everybody's on board with the plan and the mutants they had to punch even the villains are even uh, on board with this plan and they're all going to the island but she can't understand why she can't use the gates um she feels a little bit useless she's kind of beating herself up uh, day six she realizes that uh maybe it's not the best idea to be keeping a log of her crimes so she's decided to rip out these pages shove them in an empty bottle seal the tops with wax and if this message ever is found please know that i'm sorry i stole the boat but let's face it the owner's not getting it back i hope whoever reads this someday is uh having a better time than her so she's not really enjoying her her solitude there on the island uh, or on the boat on her way to uh, to Krakoa. Uh, there's another note at the bottom that says, Subject Pride does not seem to be able to interface with the mutant transit system. Is this a possible opportunity for leverage? So uh, as we turn the page, we see Kitty. She's sailing toward the island. She's there with Lockheed as her only uh, company. And as she uh, approaches the island, it kind of shows up out of the mist there. And she's stunned by what it looks like. And it's a great image. It's a full-page splash. And if anything, it reminds me of the uh, island in uh, the Kong movie where it comes up out of the mist. And it's just a, you know, a giant wall covered in green vegetation and jungle. And it's very uh, picturesque and just beautiful. There's no real other way to, to put it. And so as Kitty sees it, she stands up in the boat and she says, Hello, Krokoa. What did I do to piss you off? So she drops anchor. She uh, she walks up to the island and she's thinking about what she'll say to her friends. And she th uh, she thinks, well, maybe I need to be on the island first and go through from the Krokoan side to a gate and then be able to pass back through. So she figures, well, as long as I'm here, I might, tr might as well try that first. She tries to walk through the gate but it's the same result. It, it might as well be a wall to her. She can't get through. And uh, there's a small little mutant there with uh, a pink head that looks kind of like an artichoke, to be honest with you. And he kind of, or she kind of smarts off to Kitty and says, oh, I heard about you. You're the mutant that can't use the gates. And uh, Kitty gets a little gleam in her eye and says, yeah, and you're the kid that everybody wants to fight, right? Uh, but before the kid can respond, Iceman is there and he says, hey, Kitty, welcome to Mutie Gras. The party never stops. Still can't use the gates, huh? And uh, Kitty says, no, but but top men are on it. And with a smile on his face, Iceman says, oh, I'd like to meet these top men. Uh, and Kitty says, me too, Bobby. Uh, before they can continue their conversation, Wolverine is there. He's excited. Kitty has brought all the things that uh, he wanted. He goes running out to the boat. And as uh, he's swimming out there, Kitty's looking at him. She knows that he undertook that mission uh, out to the uh, the platform, the mother mold platform, and somehow was able to come back. 
and uh, she's she's surprised and happy to see that Logan is okay. And she says to Iceman, well, the five really did it, huh? They brought them all back. And Iceman says, yeah, they sure did, and they'll do it for us too if they, uh, if they have to. So Wolverine gets his stash from the boat. It's whiskey and beer, you know, what did you think it would be? And when we turn the page, we get Logan's shopping list, and uh, it says, Kitty, I owe you one, here's my list. And he gives instructions to each uh, specific one, but it's basically ribs, whiskey, beer, Cubano sandwiches, pomade, which is interesting, you know, stuff for his hair, like hair gel, uh, but stronger. Uh, and, it, and he says, the dapper dude one, and keep that under your hat. Then he wants coffee, although he's trying to convince, uh, he's talking to Doug, and Doug is trying to convince the island to grow them some coffee. And uh, we find out it was Logan's idea for uh, Kitty to try the gates from this end. She says, hey, or he says rather, hey, had an idea. When you get here, maybe the gates will work from this side for you worth a shot. So uh, as Logan heads off to uh, his house, I guess, or wherever he stays with his stash, Iceman's saying, well, uh, if you don't have a pad yet, you have to ask Krakoa for a, a flower and then plant it. And Kitty's like, well, you know what? It doesn't really matter. I'm probably not going to be around much. And Bobby's kind of puzzled by that. Like, well, what are you talking about? Where are you going? And uh, she says, well, I have, I have a weird offer I want to talk to you about. But before she can, Iceman's like, hold on a second. I want to see why nobody's coming in through this gate. All the other gates, I mean, these are this is early days during the nation. Most of the gates, there's people coming in, trickling in um, from time to time from, you know, various places in the world where these gates have been... Uh, been grown, uh, but there's one particular gate that has no activity. So Bobby walks through from his end. He's curious what he's going to find on the other side. Uh, and as he does, Kitty is sort of jealous that Iceman can walk through the gate. Um, she gets a telepathic message from Emma Frost saying, Kate, would you step into my office? So uh, Kate steps through astral projection, if you will, um, and gets in a car with Kate, uh, with uh, Emma Frost, apparently uh, in New York, it looks like, is where she is. And uh, Emma's like, why do you still let the other people call you Kitty? And uh, Kitty says, well, because the X-Wing can do a lot of astonishing things, but I don't think they can do that. But we're not really meeting to discuss my name, are we? And Emma's like, no, of course not. Let's get down to business. I trust you, Kate. And of course, Kitty's been hearing that for a really, really long time. She's grown into quite the responsible mutant. She was headmistress, she was a teacher. Uh, she's really come into her own as a mutant over the last 10 or 15 years, really as a character, I guess you would say. And Emma, kind of with the perspective of, of age and experience, I guess, tells Kitty, well, you know, you've been fighting your whole life against impossible odds, and never once did you give an extra shot to somebody simply because they deserved it. So yeah, people do trust you. And Kitty says, well, do you think that makes me weak? And uh, and Emma says, no, I wouldn't have extended you this invitation had, had I thought that. But these are unpredictable times, and I need somebody dependable. And you are dependable. You know, no matter how unpredictable things get, you're dependable. And uh, they, they've arrived at some what looks like docks or uh, kind of a, a, a port. And she takes Kitty to this uh, warehouse, and they... They open it up, and what is there is a giant ship, a giant boat. And Emma's talking to her about how most of the gates 
not uh, working for Kitty is actually an opportunity, right? She, Kitty's already completed one successful voyage to Krakoa, and that could be the first of many on behalf of the corporation. And Kitty's like, well, yeah, I'm thinking about it. And Emma's pushing her. I, I, I need an answer, right? Um, only some of the humans took the offer for the, the drugs, and those that recognize us are entitled to the drugs, but mutants also have to set the price, which means we have to control the black market as well, and the Hellfire Trading Company is going to be the most important mutant uh, corporation. Plus, there'll be perks. You can invite anybody you want on board, and you know, shipping corporations in the past were ruthless, and they uh, often were slavers, and uh, instead we're going to be liberators. You know, you're going to go around freeing the mutants that aren't allowed to go through the gates to get to uh, to Krakoa. And she gives specific examples of countries they know or areas of the world where the gates are being sealed off or they're being guarded by uh, mutant hunting animals or uh, being guarded by men with guns. And Emma reminds her there's also a lot of money to be made in this uh, shipping endeavor or, or sailing endeavor. And uh, Kitty says, so Aurora said no, huh? Just knowing that Emma would have gone to, to Storm first. I mean, it's something that's right up her alley, rescuing mutants that are captive. And uh, Emma acknowledges that and says, yeah, but, you know, before I could even finish my pitch, she'd already said no. But I think you'd be great at this. Um, I think you could find other side benefits. And you got to start living a little. You're not a school teacher anymore. And uh, Kitty says, yes, I'm, like I said, I'm still thinking about it. And Emma's again pushing her. Don't don't think, just do, right? Just do it. Um, so uh, back on the island, Kitty's sort of come back into herself, still thinking about uh, what she's going to do. And uh, Lockheed is there. He's got a crab that he's pulled in from the uh, the ocean. And Kitty says, "You know what? I'm glad you like it here, uh, Dragon." So meanwhile, we. Uh, the scene shifts. We find out where Iceman has gone when he walked through the gate. He's actually in Russia. It's cold. It's snowing. And we find out the reason that nobody's been coming through that gate is there's some Russian soldier or military guy who's in this power dampening armor. And he says that uh, there's no mutants there in Russia that have any interest in going to uh, Krakoa. All the mutants there in Russia either serve the state or get crushed like the small, insignificant people that they are. And then this guy fires his uh, armor off, his power armor at uh, Iceman, and we find out this is power dampening armor. It uh, basically removes all the ice armor from, uh, from Iceman. So he's like, oh, I wish I'd known that was power dampening uh, armor. And uh, the guy turns around, the guy in the armor turns around and says to the other soldiers, uh, okay, well, He's all yours now that I've depowered him, uh, as it were. And uh, Iceman's like, oh, crap. And he, he dives through the gate as the soldiers start firing their guns at him. And uh, Kitty sees him as he, he comes through, kind of falling to the ground. And he says, I almost died. She's like, working or playing? He's like, no, no, I'm serious. We got a situation. There's some aggro Russians. We, we can't go back that way through the gate. Um so they've got some kind of knockoff Iron Man suit that steals our powers. We've got to find a way to get there. And uh, Kitty's sort of been drowning her sorrows, as it were. Um, she's drinking some of 
uh, Wolverine's Canadian whiskey, saying, "I want to go fight some humans." Iceman, get in my boat, and she he says, "Wait, we're gonna wait. Do what?" <laughs> and so uh, Storm is there as well, and they decide they're all gonna go sailing, and they'll get to Russia and they'll they'll rescue everybody uh, that way since they can't get go through the gate because an ambush lays in wait. Meanwhile, in Taipei, Taiwan, uh, there's a woman and she's given a press conference to uh, a bunch of people that are standing there and media, and she's uh, bad-mouthing Krakoa. She's saying Krakoa does not create a family. It destroys them, and she claims that her husband, Lim, touched the gate in a nearby park and he disappeared. She wants to know where her husband is. Why did the, the mutants kidnap him? Uh, she won't rest until he's returned. And uh, as she finishes her statement, she's approached by somebody in a, a trench coat and hat and he's asking uh, her uh, about her husband saying he's investigating the disappearance they don't have any record of her, her husband uh, you know trying to go through a gate and uh, the woman is, is immediately suspicious saying well who are you and he takes out the hat we find out it's bishop he says uh, you know i'm from krakoa may we speak she says no and so as he uh tries to talk to her she's walking away and he says look we don't have any record uh, and i give you my word and she doesn't want to hear it your word is worthless mutant so bishop knows something is up uh, he reports to xavier that something's rotten but he's standing down for the night because he doesn't want to make any more waves until he has more to go on so meanwhile on the boat kitty and iceman and storm are talking about what they uh, resistance they might encounter and uh, as they're talking about it, Pyro pops up from underneath the boat. Uh, apparently, uh, he's the original Pyro. He was one of the first mutants resurrected by the Five. And he thought that was pretty cool at first until he realized the reason that they resurrected him first is he was kind of a guinea pig. Uh, they were making sure that it was going to work. Uh, and so that kind of bothered him. And he, he thought, I'm going to go steal this boat and go get into some trouble. But when he got on board the boat the bed there looked so nice he decided to just lay down and take a nap instead and so storm tells him well you've just been drafted but the the rule is kill no man remember we saw that they made that rule i think in the last issue of uh, house of x um but storm does go on to say but i wouldn't mind the russians regretting the uh, this night when the the dawn comes you know don't kill anybody but you can rough them up a little bit um and so Kitty says, yeah, we'll just take out the armor and then we can fan out and, and take out uh, the rest of them. And, uh, and Iceman says, yeah, and then we'll, we'll send everybody through the gate and we'll, uh, we'll come back uh, to the boat. We'll rendezvous at the boat. So back in Russia, the, the guy in the armor is, is complaining that, ah, man, the, the mutants haven't come back. They, they haven't had any action since Iceman appeared. And uh, he's like, man, I wanted to fight tonight. And as he says that, he's hit with lightning from Storm, but it doesn't do any good because not only is his armor power dampening, but apparently it also absorbs energy. So uh, he's pretty happy about that. And he, he fires uh, some, some uh, beams of energy at Iceman and Storm and uh, their uh, powers start to fade away. Again, it's that power dampening effect. And he's pretty uh, happy with himself when Kitty appears behind him, phases through his equipment, his uh, armor shorts out, and uh, all of a sudden he's not quite so uh, confident. So while Iceman and Storm are waiting for their powers to return, 
they go and they're freeing all the, the mutant hostages that are being uh, held there behind uh, chain link. And uh, Kitty says that she's good. Go, go free the hostages. I can take care of these guys. And we see the abilities of, uh, of Kitty Pride here and, and how uh, she's such an expert at what she does with her powers of phasing. Guys run through her as they're charging her, trying to tackle her. They think she's a hologram. Uh, they let their guard down, and then she punches them and takes them out. Other guys are firing their weapons at her. Again, she's intangible, uh, but then can switch back in the blink of an eye to knock the guns out of their hand, pick it up, smash it over their head. And then she even uh, points the gun at one of the soldiers and says, Oh, I'm sure you guys are using non-lethal rounds, right? Because that's civilians. She pulls the trigger, shoots a guy in the knee, and says, Nope. How unfortunate for you, you know, had you been using non-lethal rounds, that would have hurt a, a lot less. Um, she grabs a, another gun from somebody else, shoves it into two guys, she's phasing it, she shoves it into two guys' uh, legs and then unfazes it, and all of a sudden they're, they're trapped together, can't move, uh, they're bleeding, this gun has become uh, entrapped in their legs, uh, and then a, a tank comes rolling up, and she's like, really? A tank? That's how you think you're going to take me out. Like, really? Have you not been watching the fight that's been going on? So she phases into the tank. She pulls on the uh, the tear gas grenades that one of the tank drivers is is wearing. She pulls the pins out, phases through. And, of course, he uh, has to climb out the hatch, coughing his lungs out because he basically just got tear gassed. And then she takes on the leader of this unit who's uh, swinging a sword around. But again, this guy's no match for Kitty with her powers of phasing and her uh, martial arts and fighting abilities. So he's the last of them. But what's funny is we saw earlier uh, in the issue about how Emma trusts Kitty because she never throws that extra punch, never kicks a guy when she's down or when he's down. And uh, we actually see Kitty do that. Uh, when the when the main guy, the the leader, the the uh, ranking officer is laying on the ground there, um, Kitty says, "You know what? Here's one for fun, uh, just for making us come all this way, and for just mis mistreating these mutants, basically." So they go ahead and they send the uh, mutants through the gate, and Kitty says, "Well, you guys should go back to the gate too. I'll I'll get back on the boat." They say, no, no, we came together, we'll head back together. So Iceman, Storm, and Pyro all decide they're going to go back with Kitty on the boat uh, as well. And as uh, the, these Russian mutants are about to go through the gate, one of them is filming with the camera, and Kitty tells her, you know what, keep recording. And she turns around and she says to the camera, if you're a mutant and you can't get to Krakoa, then the Marauders will bring you home. And that's where we get the, the title of the... Uh, of the book. So later Kitty's uh, there by herself. She's creating a somewhat of a, a costume or, or a, a flag. Actually, I think it's a flag that she's uh, about to hoist up with a, a symbol, a Marauder symbol, I guess. Um, and she tells Storm, you know what, Storm? I don't think I, that I can, I can live on that island. And Storm says, yeah, I know. Uh, and Kitty says, yeah, I figure I didn't need to uh, explain myself to the uh, claustrophobic friend of, of mine. And uh, Storm says, I, I got to say, though, I don't love the name Marauders. And Kitty says, well, it, it, I kind of just pulled it uh, out of, on the spot. I, I don't know, but I, I just figured the X-Men wouldn't want to be associated with what we're going to have to do. 
So we needed another name and I just kind of came up with that on the spot. Um, but if I do decide to stay out here and do this for a while, will you stay with me? And, you know, they've always had a very close relationship, uh, Storm as a mother figure or an older sister figure. And so, of course, she says, yeah, I, I will. Um, there's so many people trapped in hostile territories. The world's been turned upside down by what we've done. I can't turn my back on them. I can't turn my back on you. So, uh, of course, I'm with you. But you deal with Emma. You deal with Emma Frost. I don't want anything to do with her. So, uh Kitty sends out a, a mental message to Emma, accepting the offer, and Emma obviously is very, uh, very glad to hear that. And uh, we see these members, the first four members of the, of the Marauders here, with uh, the flag flying behind them, which is uh, sort of a stylized skull, I guess, with uh, the new X, uh, the stylized X that uh, Tom Muller has created for this new version of the X-Men. So Storm, Iceman, Pyro, Lockheed, Kitty Pride, and Iceman says, where are we going, Kitty? And uh, Kitty says, you know what? Anywhere we want, but do me a favor, call me Kate. So will she be Kate Pride from now on? Will the fellow X-Men ever see her as something less or something more than just a, a young mutant? I feel like they already do, but there's love there. And I don't know, she'll always be Kitty Pride to me. Uh, but anyway, uh, we get one page of, uh, one more page of text. It's the Red Diamond, which is the sort of the news and gossip from Bar Sinister. Uh, secret number 11, whispers on the wind, a certain mutant undergoing a new phase of their life, sitting on quite an offer. It won't last. They were actually the third choice. Obviously, that's in reference to Kitty. We know Storm was offered the job. We don't know who the other person was. Why was Kitty third choice? Don't know, but she has accepted. Secret number 12, humanity's health and well-being was never a popular topic around Bar Sinister, but now that Krakoan medicines are keeping uh, the mutants afloat, they should probably pay attention to the changing tides at Hellfire Bay. We hear one of the seas to be carefully navigated is deep and red. What that means, I have absolutely no idea. I also don't know what 13 is. Speaking of black and the white, not everyone got their invite. Quite a faux pas. We hope there's not a fight. That might be, actually, now that I stop to think about it, that might be a reference to the, the mutant gala event or whatever that's just about to kick off now. So that, that could have been something that was planted way back then. Uh, you know, two years ago, whatever, that's about to kick off now. I, I, I don't know what else it could mean. Uh, 14 says, humans wearing sheets always leads to trouble. Who are these kooky new looky-loos crowding our gates? So that's, you know, I don't know, the, the mutant uh, version of the KKK, I guess, reference. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, and then the final one, secret uh, 15, we hear the slow boat is built to catch all the eyes, but it's the one under the radar that's really turning heads. So again, not sure what that one means, but a lot of these red diamond uh, gossip things are, uh, you know, better seen with hindsight after a lot of time has gone by, uh, or or maybe Hickman just hasn't gotten to some of these yet. Who knows? So uh, anyway, that's it for uh, for Marauders number one. It's really fun. Uh, it's lighthearted. There's a lot of humor. Great work by Jerry Dugan. The art's pretty solid. I'm not familiar with this artist. Haven't seen their work before, uh, but it's pretty solid. The colors are very bright and primary, so that works really well. Uh, and, and the cool thing is there's some big ideas here, 
but you're not beat over the head with them because Dugan does make it so fun and there's so so much humor in it and lightheartedness. Um, but this is an important mission that th this team is going to go on. You know, going to rescue these mutants who can't get to Krakoa. The, you know, they finally have an island nation. They finally have a place to call their own. They finally have their own language, uh, a, a, a way to build a society and protect each other, strengthen numbers. And then you have a, a huge subsection of mutants that can't get there because various reasons, right? You're, you have militants guarding the gate. You have mutant hunting animals guarding the gate. The gate is hidden away. It's not accessible, whatever. Um, every mutant deserves to be on the island. And so uh, this mission, this goal that uh, the Marauders have to make sure every mutant can get a chance to get there is very important. Plus, we have the mystery of why Kitty can't use the uh, gates, plus all the relationship stuff that Jerry Dugan is really good at. Uh, you know, Emma Frost, Kitty Pride, Storm, those are three very distinct, intelligent women with agency, and you can see them butting heads, not always agreeing, especially Storm and Emma, uh, and that can cause some friction. Pyro's a wild card. Uh, Bobby is Bobby. You know, he's a goofball. So uh, there's definitely... I won't say room for fireworks necessarily, but there's with these uh, personalities and the relationships and the the character drama, there's room for a lot of stories here. Uh, there's a lot of of territory for Jerry Dugan to to mine uh, for some great storytelling and and the fact that you could tell a story anywhere, they can travel all around the world. Um, and you can set up all kinds of different scenarios of why the mutants can't get to certain gates or, uh, if mutants even want to get through, why uh, can Kitty not use the the gates? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but again, you don't feel like it's dense because Dugan injects that humor and the, the dialogue is fun and uh, it's very well paced. And so you don't <laughs> kind of realize just how deep of a story it is, how important uh, a part of the X-Men universe this is. Uh, unless you stop to think about it, because it reads so well. The readability and the fun uh, kind of uh, level of this book is, is really high. So uh, anyway, I think that's going to do it for this uh, episode. As always, I want to thank everybody for listening, and we will talk to you next time. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The readings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.